0: welcome back to another episode of the athlete ready global podcast episode 23 with none other than coach stephanie mock assistant athletic director of performance for pittsburgh university in this episode she dives deep into her journey of becoming one of the best performance coaches in the country she details how important structure is in her evolution as a coach as well as how the player-led not coach-fed philosophy that drives her and her team to seek results for their athletes. She will take me through the onboarding process of her incoming collegiate athletes and also talks about having the moving the needle type conversations with other sport coaches and sport scientists on staff. She also gives incredibly sound advice for the next generation of coaches, especially the Gen Z crowd as well as those who lead that gen- next generation make sure you stay till the end to know what coach mocks guilty workout pleasure is that fuels her own training it's all next on the athlete ready global podcast and whether you are listening on the podcast on spotify apple podcast or watching on youtube please be sure to like comment and subscribe this podcast is brought to you by athlete ready global a community Platform and programming software for you strength conditioning coaches and personal trainers to host your online clients that saves you a bunch of time, helps you coach more people, and create more freedom. Check out athletereadyglobal.com to sign up for your free seven day trial. Now, on to the episode. How are you doing? Doing
1: great. Pretty busy day. Yes, actually, my brother's here um, too. He drove in from New York City because um, nice. he uh, lives up there and he okay. just got in. So he's he's somewhere floating in the background. Hidden. How
0: far of a drive is that for, to Pitt from, like, he's from NYC?
1: Yeah. Okay. Uh, he's from here, but he lives in NYC, but it's like six hours, maybe, something like oh, okay. that. Okay. That's
0: not so, true. Awesome. Yeah. Well, it's I'm like excited to talk to
1: birthday you. coming up. Very Say it sweet. again? So it's on Friday and my uncle's birthday is tonight. Um, so that's why I thank you so
0: much for being able to move it up. Yeah, absolutely. No problem. Thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate your time. You know that.
1: Yes. I'm yes. super
0: excited to finally talk to you. I mean, I've heard so many great things about you and I even made a post on Facebook. I don't know if we're Facebook friends or not, but I got it. Right. You know, I think I comments.
1: deleted my Facebook like a long time ago.
0: Oh, really? <laughs> oh Yeah. There's a, numerous people that wrote on there. Oh, she's awesome. You know, I can't wait to hear it. So got me really excited. So I appreciate it.
1: Yeah. All right. So
0: for those listening, tell us a little bit about your story, you know, as you were as all the way from childhood to kind of how you got to where you got today.
1: Yeah. So childhood, I grew up in a, a small town called Butler County, uh, Pennsylvania, which is north of Pittsburgh. Um, grew up there. It's kind of like a uh, corn town-ish uh, okay. in the middle of nowhere. Grew up there and not many people kind of like got out of that space. Mm-hmm. So it was pretty cool. But luckily, I got involved with athletics from a young age, um, and playing sports allowed me to kind of venture out and live a lot of different places. So in high school, I ran track, played volleyball, um, and really volleyball was the sport that took me on um, out of PA. Um, so in high school, I played volleyball, then I went to play at West Virginia University. Um, Thanks, I played okay. volleyball there. And then once I got done playing there um, towards my senior year, I was like, man, I should probably come up with a plan of what I'm gonna do after <laughs> I get done playing. Um, and that's what, what, really what
0: were like. the options at that time?
1: <laughs> oh my goodness, playing like overseas okay. was one. Um, and then I kind of heard some horror stories about like playing overseas that there's like no athletic trainers or medical care, and like uh, lot your knee, you'd have to fly the whole way back to the States to get surgery. So I was like, oh man, that doesn't sound ideal. Um, so then uh, that was one option. Another option was I was thinking about law school, uh, which probably okay. not people know about. Uh, I went to uh, an NFL, like I went to the NFL combine where I met a gentleman that is a law professor and he was on the board for like the NFL PA. Um, and i met him and he's like, Steph, what are you passionate about? And so I was still like kind of dabbling in exercise science, but then also uh, a little bit of sports management as well. Mm-hmm. I'm like, man, I love dealing with people. I love being around them. I love sports. So then I went to uh, like a law conference to be an agent and that was in Atlanta a hot minute ago. And being at that, I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't foresee myself being an agent. It doesn't really mm-hmm. seem like my plan long-term. So that allowed me to get some clarity on like, all right, I love training. Uh, I love that portion of, I'm like five foot two and playing volleyball at a high level. Like you definitely have to, <laughs> to be either really tall. So,
0: so you're a set setter. Up. I'm sorry, what? what? What position were you?
1: libero okay. yeah or like ds so the one okay. short people like one short person you need okay um, one short person and then everyone else is 18 feet tall because he'd be like traveling in the airport and stuff and i was like oh are you the basketball team and then they see me and be like oh you must play soccer and i'm like what the heck <laughs> uh-huh
0: uh-huh and so, then so uh-huh. from that moment so you decided okay yeah uh, being an nfl agent's not for me exercise yeah. science i want to go that route yeah or some
1: definitely don't want to venture down that, that rabbit hole. So that's when I really figured out, and I did like a random internship with the Penguins and like marketing uh, over like a Christmas break to get some hours. Um, but then, yeah, I think like dabbling in new sports and I dabbled and I worked like a silent auction at a Penzi game one time, And I just sell like, random pucks to people and they had to sign up. So that was interesting. I was like, yeah, that's not it. And then Mm -hmm. the law school thing, that sounds like it takes a long time. So that's when I landed on and I always loved training. My parents were like, Hey, do something that you love doesn't, so it doesn't feel like a job. Clearly we work a lot of hours. So um, it's important that you do love your job. And I had a a really great strength coach. Um, my first strength coach in college at West Virginia, name is Corey's wine. He left like after my second year to go to Michigan to work with football. Now he's at a really cool career path. He worked with special ops and then, um, now with NASA, but he has taught me a lot and I've stayed in contact with him and he's always been a great person. Whenever I call him to get feedback, Um, he's super unbiased with that feedback. So it's super helpful for me.
0: Absolutely. So from that moment, what was the next opportunity? How did, how did that come about?
1: My next opportunity. So I got done interning at West Virginia with athletics. Then I left WVU and that's when I um, went to Pitt for the first time. Okay. Um, so I worked for- Oh, so
0: you already district. had a stint at Pitt prior. Yeah. Oh, like cool. 2012, okay.
1: A hot minute ago. So, oh, wow. um, okay. So I had that one stint then I went the uh, 2012 to intern at Pitt. And then I left there to go to Clemson. And that's when I kind of went through the South a little bit. I was at Clemson for five years, uh, which I did not expect. I literally went down there. I went to live with a, a great woman, Ms. Harden. Um, and she thought she was taking me in, a family friend for like a year possibly. And then I stayed for five and she's like, what the heck? But I, was lucky she up. Uh, I rented out her lake house and all that. So it was a pretty Oh, good nice.
0: Meeting. Oh yeah, absolutely. And that this, sounds awesome.
1: Yeah. So as an intern GA for two years, assistant for a year, and then assistant director for almost a year. And I thought like when I moved in that assistant director role, I remember uh, Rick Franzblau, the head guy down there now, Olympic sports. He's like, all right, Steph, like I expect you to be in this role for like two to three years and we're going to prepare you to take on that first head position. And then you're like, you'll be on your way, you know? Wow. So I was like, all right. But then that did not work out. I was like nine months into the assistant director role. And then I got a phone call from Mississippi State. And I was like, okay, well, here we go. This is happening a lot faster than I thought. Wow. Um, so, yeah, that's when I ventured towards all that. And it was a lot of fun. Um, Mississippi State, I was there for three years as the director of Olympic sports. Kind of built it from scratch. Uh, went in there administration asked me to do a SWOT analysis. of The two weight rooms that were there, um, literally rebuilt the staff from, from bottom up, from making full-time positions, making a sport science position, like an intern position. And then kind of got things all built up to where I wanted it to be at. And then Mm -hmm. that's when, of course, Pitt came calling and I'm like, Oh man, I'm going to completely.
0: They wanted you home.
1: Yeah. I was like, Oh man, I just built this beast up to like be where it's at. And now it's kind of like working on its own. And And then I'm like, all right, now I'm going to take on a new challenge, right? And so, yeah, coming to Pittsburgh, I interviewed, everything just seemed to the resources, the people, Um, and then, of course, it is home, so it kind of really fulfilled that personal and professional side of things. And Mm -hmm. yeah, no, I've been at Pitt literally for a year. I started last June, spoke at Summer Strong, which was a lot of fun, but literally my car was packed up with stuff, and I was literally leaving Mississippi, spoke at that, and then continued to drive on up to, to Pittsburgh. I heard a
0: lot of good things about Summer Strong as well.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's unique. It's unlike any conference you'll ever go to. And, um, I think they do, they do a really, really good job of bringing a lot of different people together of different Mm -hmm. backgrounds. It's quite diverse. Uh, and you meet people that like you would not traditionally meet at a, just a regular S&C conference, which I think makes it super special. Yeah. The
0: energy seems a lot different.
1: Oh yeah. 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 I think, yeah, they just create an environment that you can't find everywhere. It's, it's just, unique and like I always have to go back I just really enjoy it like every year um and you're always taking new tidbits not only just from an SNC practitioner side but like new contacts that you just don't even know like who you'll meet and how they'll help you out like in your lifespan but I think uh it's just they do a really good job of connecting people from like whether it's the tactical setting the college setting the pro setting even like hunting you know like it's just like it's insane the kinds of people they can bring together and create this common bond and have conversations that like you wouldn't have any other place. So definitely recommend it 100%. Yeah,
0: I need to get out there for sure. Uh, Speaking of kind of with your career, structure seems like something that that you, you thrive on. And as strength coaches, we thrive on structure and having structure within our careers kind of on our daily. How have you been able to like create like a structure within your own career that has allowed you to elevate at the rate that you that you have, because uh, your your path is pretty impressive, and I would imagine that there has to be some kind of some kind of structure in place for you to to be able to put you in the position that it that it has.
1: Yeah, I would definitely say I've been lucky to have really good mentors, <laughs> to be honest, um, to guide my way, and even to like this day where I sit right now, I still have some really powerful mentors that help me out with some high level questions and. That's why I really try to educate like young people coming up in the field as interns to, to really do your homework on like the internships you're going to sign up for, you know, we're like, going
0: to talk. Yeah. We're going to get into all. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Cause I
1: did, um I did three different unpaid internships at WVU. I worked with football and sports all the above um, at WU. And then I went to Pitt and then I went to Clemson and intern for a full year. So like whenever people come to me and they're like, I did one internship and I can't land that spot. I'm like, man, I did three. <laughs> it's still like, Luckily, I got to a place where they uh, really set up like a grassroots approach. If you come in and do a good job, they'll elevate you within. And that's what I got lucky at at Clemson that I was able to do. And then I went to Mississippi State for three years. So I think really just being at places and being patient to find the right opportunity. I think so many young people get caught up like looking for the next spot and not actually just being where they're at. Um, so I think just me trusting the process of the people that I'm working for at this very moment, how can I do the best job for them? And things will take care of themselves. Like, just like I had mentioned, whenever I was at Clemson, I got a phone call about, Hey, this spot's open. We're really interested in you. And then when I was at Mississippi state, same thing happened from Pitt. So like every position that I've moved into, it's been someone reaching out to me and it's not me just sitting on the computer applying to every position under the sun, like really just creating a work ethic and something about you that's super unique and special that people want to gravitate towards you and and hire you, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think being lucky that I had good mentors that like, I remember sitting in my first boss's office, Dennis Love, he's at Clemson now on the football staff and with him and Rick Franzba that's there now. And I was like, they're like, all right, what's your end goal? And I was like, I want to be a director. like, all right, like, trust us, we're going to lead you that way. We're going to put you in a situation that you're going to continue to learn not only about like training teams, but administratively, like we're going to take you to meetings that you'll sit in when you're the head person. Um, We're going to take you to budget meetings as well. So you know how to understand that we're going to teach you how we like laid out our weight room when we were building that. So I think I had people that really wanted to, they always told me to carry myself like the position above me. So like when I was a GA, carry yourself like a full-time assistant. When you're an assistant, carry yourself like an assistant director. When you're a director, carry yourself like the head person. So whenever you do get these opportunities, hence I like grew within one, one program, like over five years, I was already preparing myself for that. And I really try to do the same thing now that I'm sitting in a head role, like when I'm going to our performance committee meetings with all the different, Uh, department heads for sports med nutrition myself Um, now I just hired a director of sports science then my boss like I'm taking different assistants with me and maybe it's like a simple thing like hey be team scribe and lay out all the notes for the meeting but you're sitting in the space hearing the conversations to be had and like I remember taking my one assistant, uh, a senior assistant, I just hired Brenna McDonald and we were leaving the meeting and they usually do happen like later. It's like a 5.00 PM meeting, which, you know, it is what it is. That's when everyone's schedules free. And mm-hmm. we left that meeting and she was just like, Hey Steph, like I really appreciate you taking me to that. So I can really hear like what's kind of happening on the floor. Oh, that's um,
0: valuable. That's incredibly yeah. valuable.
1: So just making sure I'm hiring the right people like now um, that have the right character and, really just like she wants to be a head person. So she appreciates going to those meetings. She's not complaining to me like, why do I have to go to this meeting at 5 p.m.? This, that, and the other. Like, I need to surround myself with like-minded people that help me, like push me as well to elevate the program. Um, So I think just, I was lucky to have really good mentors that prepared me at a high level. And even now, like I can pick up the phone and call them and get feedback um, of like, hey, like this is where I'm at. This is a problem I'm having. And they know how to really like ground me, which everyone needs to have kind of those staple two or three people, um, in their, in their career, uh, whether it's personally, professionally to give you their, their advice and make sure they're honest with you as well.
0: Right. So how do you, like someone that wants to intern with you, you just mentioned it. you know, people are telling you, hey, yeah, I just, you know, I've done an internship for six months and and there's, you know, there's no opportunities or whatever. And in, in your mind, you're like, man, I I volunteered for two years of my time uh, before I, I landed a position. How do you kind of like package the value behind like an internship, especially with, with someone like you and with the network and ex- experience and expertise that you have? How do you package that to a younger coach, fresh from college, 21, 22 year old, how do you, how do you navigate that? Do you use, you know, is it empathy? What is it? How do you, how do you kind of build that rapport with them for them to be interested, especially if it's an unpaid position?
1: Yeah. I always tell our unpaid positions, like I'm going to create situations that I know you're working for free for me, but like, I'm going to find a way to pay you an education. Right. And even like, whether it's Every week we do like a staff continue education um, day. So like whether it's like in the fall, it was Wednesday in the spring, it's Thursday in the summer it's on a Wednesday again. Uh, but we set it up that we'll do like a call with somebody else in the field once a month. We'll do that continue education like we're working through. We were working through the ISO course um, through uh, Sportsmith. Now we're working into square one. It's more like a neural piece, but. do that once a week so we embed the continue education into like our work week you know and into our our how we flow out like staff meetings monday do education wednesday you know what are you reading set and the other so i'm paying them back with like meeting different people once a month and then also just putting different information in front of them for free that like clearly i have to pay for but like it's my job to to pay it back to them. So I think as long as you're you're running a program that like we have core values and one of the core values and pillars for our staff, whether it's full-time staff or interns, um, is just a relentless pursuit for knowledge. You know, we're constantly pushing it's not just the young people, it's myself from the top. So I think as long as you embed that into not only like clearly we want to create the best product for the student athlete, but we want to create the best product for of ourselves, um paying them back in knowledge. It's not just the cleaning piece, right? And clean the weight room, set up, break down, like, no, I'm going to find a way that like when you come in to when you leave, you've elevated significantly um, in multiple facets. And I've been lucky that uh, Aaron Duvall, my, my one assistant, that's kind of like, he was with me at Clemson as an intern to Mississippi State as an assistant. Now he's my associate head strength coached me at Pitt, but that's awesome. he knows kind of like how we all started when we were at Clemson and what that internship program looks like. Um, so whenever we kind of took that and kept building it and growing it, to now being at Pitt, we have a really unique situation. It was pretty cool to see like this first year, we do have sports science master uh, students that are embedded within our athletic department. So we have three sports science master students at Olympic sports too, with basketball. One's over at football with our PhD student too. But seeing like the intern office has like young sports scientists, S&C interns, they're all like talking and it's like, man, this is kind of like the future, right? Of everyone working together um, in this one space, having conversations, asking questions and seeing them like problem solve things. It's pretty cool. Um, and that was one of the big pieces when I came to Pitt. They were like, we have like from an academic side, our sports science uh, master's students that'll help out. They're with us for a year. We have the neuromuscular research lab that we have like a DEXA scan and we're running a study with that. Um, and then we have our uh, innovation entrepreneurship uh, from the academic side. Um, Evan F- Evan Thatcher he's super helpful with a lot of different projects that we want to do, and even like events we want to put on. So I think when you have you marry that academic side and athletic side to really like bulletproof and bring the whole entire uh, app, not only athletic department but like the university up, we're elevating each other. So we have things that like both people want, right? We have the student athletes for the research; they have maybe the grant funding and things like that. Like hey. Let's come together and do some really cool stuff. So I think that's what makes Pitt unique and really what drew me Mm -hmm. in other than being at home, of course.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. How do you kind of navigate those conversations? Because maybe, you know, you get a lot of people from the academic side coming over to the coaching side. And, you know, like there's, there's, Some differences between maybe theory and application, and it may not be from the science perspective. It may just be, you know, a a budget, the way your weight room is laid out, the equipment you have. There's so many different factors. Has there, what kind of conversations, or even if there was tough conversations that you may have had with, yeah, the sports science crew when they come over, hey, we should be doing this. That the the research says this, we should be doing this, and then you're like, whoa, hold up, this is why we haven't been able to implement that because of this. Um, Have there been a lot of conversations like that? or not really? It's just been yeah. super easy.
1: No, that's a great question. So <laughs> I think um, just being realistic with like what our day-to-day looks like, because maybe research, it's like, hey, this should be easy, right? To measure A, B, C, and D. But I'm like, well, how the day is laid out mm-hmm, and when they have mm-hmm. class, uh, maybe not so much. So I think just being realistic and then like making sure at the end of the day where we have like a group of people that come together to really evaluate like what research we're doing, because between myself, the head of sports performance, our head of sports med, our head uh, dietitian and the mental piece, uh, we have people reaching out to us all the time about like, we want to run this research study and this one and this one. And we we really bring all these different research ideas together. And then we'll vet out like what we want to actually do as a group. You know, so we kind of use that to decipher what has um, what's in the best interest of the student athlete. So it's not becoming just uh, the guinea pig effect, right? We're just like strapping all this stuff on the kids, doing all this testing, and they're actually not seeing the back end benefit. And same with the sport coaches. So I think we do a really good job of being selective of like what research do we want to do? What's going to benefit academics and athletics? How do we marry the two? And, and sometimes it's like, hey, we have to have tough conversations because, like you said, maybe you want to run tests three times a week, but we know. Like one, like they don't think about when teams are in season, the high stress of the student athletes and the coaches, the last thing you want to do is Mm -hmm. drive them across campus to some lab, you know, so I think just being realistic of like what we're able to do with the the class schedules and then staying, of course, like we have to talk about compliance, like staying within hours and things like that, and if it's voluntary, not voluntary, um, and all that jazz, but I think we just have to always vet out what we're doing and make sure that we're not pulling on two ends of the road, right? Like we're pulling the same end of the road, but what's realistic for our student athletes that they still feel as if like the innovation, uh, the information is benefiting them.
0: Right, right. And I think I've heard you on a, another podcast about it saying that it's, that you want your program to be player led, not coach fed. Kind of explain a little bit more of, a, of that philosophy. And it's really just the relationships you have with, you know, the coaches, the dietitians, the, everything else. Uh, go a little bit into that piece.
1: Yeah, no, I think uh, players taking ownership of their training, you know, uh, is extremely important. And one thing that we're continuing to try to elevate is our our player education and how we're going about that. And with just hiring our new director of sports science, Felix Prossel, um, I was sitting down with him, and it's like, all right, how can you have impact as a director of sports science? It's almost like similar to our our dietitian role. Like your staff's not as large as some of these other performance areas, like strength conditioning and athletic training. Uh, what curriculum can we roll out? And you come in periodically and meet with teams, especially in the off season, when that's a really good time to educate to get them to really embrace training, embrace the process why we're doing all these things. So I think what we're trying to really do is um, roll out a higher level education process and put it like in the hands of the kids. So whether it's like posting it on Instagram, whether it's creating a YouTube channel Um, I know Josh Nelson, for sure. He does a great job at Penn state, which is right in state, right? I shouldn't be saying this because we've got to (laughs) compete with some things. We're in different conferences. Uh Uh He does a really good job with his YouTube channel of capitalizing on like, Hey, here's the educational content right in front of you. Try to keep it short and sweet and to the point. Um, But I think the kids stay on their phones as we all know. So if you're just like a quick one minute video to them about sleep, you know, but I think it's on our part um, getting organized and what we uh, we're kind of planning to roll out here in the future is, we're doing these like one month continue education calls and maybe this isn't so much for the student athlete, but it's more for the S and C side. Um, we're planning to roll out like a podcast, um, peak performance process, podcast project, one of those, we're trying to land on something, but we're doing all these calls already. So we might as well record it and post it. So other strength coaches can get the value out of the videos. Right. Right. Similar to with the student athletes. The more we educate them on the front end, um, the better it's gonna benefit them on the back end. And even beyond like being a student athlete, we have a, a really high-level life skills department um within Pitt. And one thing that they create a class for like after athletics led by Penny, one of our guys, he leads life skills at Pitt. He's awesome. He played football at Pitt. He's like a legend. But actually, I'm doing a piece, I'm teaching a portion of the class this summer nice. about like training after you get done. Um you
0: gotta record a, some of that. You gotta get athlete. some some content out on that.
1: Yeah. So it's going to be like, I feel as if we have a lot of really good pieces going on, but I think once we really roll out this like higher level continuing education curriculum for our student athletes, um, they want the information, as we all know, we don't want them to be finding it off TikTok. We want them to get the information right. from
0: us. Right.
1: So how can we do that? And how can we put it literally in the hands of the user? Um, that's kind of up to us to get creative. And that's why like, like a, a large portion of our like pit um, sports performance, like Instagram page is literally like our kids follow that, our student athletes. So like, that's the, more awesome. put up, the more stuff they're seeing it and then it creates conversations and they come in the way room, like, Hey, I saw X, like, let's talk about that more. But I think, uh, the kids want the information. It's our job to kind of meet them in the middle. And that's, that's my long winded answer. I love
0: it. No, I love it. I absolutely love so really it. So like has I there been that. somewhat of a shift from like maybe the mindset of, like sport coaches or even like athletic directors of, you know, maybe 10 years ago, because it, it doesn't seem like there wasn't that much content coming from the actual colleges and, and uh, sport performance, you know, committees or, or groups themselves in the collegiate setting, right? Have there, has there been kind of a, a mindset shift with athletic directors and coaches when it comes to like, Hey, like you're putting out all this content and they maybe feel like, I don't know if they have like a, more of a scarcity mindset at the very beginning. And now it's like, Hey, like, yeah, this is information that everybody should kind of know. Um, has there been a shift with that or are you just completely changing the game over there?
1: <laughs> no, I think there's definitely some leaders out there that I, I've definitely good ideas from them. Right. Like I said, Josh mm-hmm. Nelson, like he's doing a great job. Um, another person that I, I look up to is just Travis Flandes at Texas. He's like five years ahead of us when it comes to the sports science department in game. And I speak about sports science a lot right now just because I'm like over strength and conditioning and sports science. Uh, that's why we kind of like deem it sports performance on the assistant AD for that. But uh, right now we're just really on the trek of like, I laid out a three year plan for where that program is going. And it's like, all right, how can I learn from other people's mistakes of like the trailblazers if you started it? Um so I've seen Josh. But I feel
0: like there's always uh, been like, like pushback from, sport coaches or like their 80s or whatever for letting that information kind of be out there? Or am I completely wrong?
1: No, I think, um, the information when you're saying like more of like the educational stuff, the educational,
0: the content, all of that. I feel like, you know, five years ago, this, this conversation may not have even happened about that. And now it's like, you all may roll out a podcast and all these things, it's, it's amazing. And I hope to see other colleges doing that to, to educate the masses. I would have just thought like, you know, with the kind of the old school mentality of, of some ADs or sport coaches, like, oh, I don't want all, all of our, our stuff out there because they think for whatever reason, I don't know, they're, it's different. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> sure. exactly. No,
1: I think that's a, that's a really good point. But I think now uh, more than ever, like uh, really representing and pushing the brand, you know, whether it's the pit brand, all the other universities from a recruiting standpoint, like smart, it's all our job. And, I, and that's why um, Heather, like our AD, she's awesome. And she's all about like, hey, how can we push the envelope? to really get ourselves recognized in a clearly a positive manner. You never want to be recognized in a a negative manner. Um, And and we have to just look at maybe 10 years ago, like clearly social media and podcasts like this, like they weren't so readily available. I think now, if you want to keep up with the Joneses, like if you're not in a lot of these spaces, whether it's Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, um, and that's how like we use a lot of these things for recruiting for like interns, you know, Um, young people, like we had... We have two interns this summer, one from England and one from France, you know, and how how could we find these great professionals all across the world unless you're living and breathing on on some of these social media channels. So I think we use it not only like our page for recruiting um, great young minds to come in and like mind to be like, hey, you know what, like, I really like what they're doing. I want to go learn about that. Like, hey, you kind of like like what we're putting out there. This is how we think. You think like, let's bring in like-minded people to really push the envelope and lift everybody up. And I think same thing, like with the craziness of all things recruiting right now, like how can you stand out in a positive manner and people want to go be a part of that? You know, you got to kind of put yourself in that space and meet the kids halfway, all Mm -hmm. these crazy Gen Z X, all the above, right?
0: Yeah. Speaking of Gen Z, so have have you noticed a big difference of hiring on Gen Z's kind of their you know, their mentality, work ethic, just kind of everything all together. Have you noticed a huge difference between them now and you when you were at that stage in your career?
1: Yeah, I feel like there's been a, a paradigm shift of like, yes. let's yes. say 10 years ago when I was interning. Um, coming in as a strength conditioning intern, the first thing I wanted to do was like get on the floor and coach kids, right? And work with every team and every student athlete. So like as an SNC practitioner, I was like living and breathing all things Warming people up, cooling them down, like looking at the lift sheets, keeping lift sheets. I'm like, oh, some a magic lift. You know, back in the day, I thought mm-hmm. like every lift sheet was gold. Even <laughs> clearly I'm like, oh my goodness. Uh, uh-huh. Why was I keeping all these sheets of paper? Mm-hmm. But, um, so like everyone wanted to learn things, all things like X's and O's periodization, strength training, coaching. Now when our interns come in, I think it's completely shifted to like the first thing that interns want to learn about is the technology. Like, oh, force plates. Like I want to learn about that force frame dynamo um, Nordboard, gym aware, catapult, like that's the first thing that they want to dive into and not getting on the floor coaching. So I think like the whole technology piece, um, and everyone's head buried in phones and they're like, uh, if I want to get hired, I have to be able to do all of this. And it's like, man, well, that stuff can be probably learned at a a little quicker rate of like how to run someone through a Nordboard test versus like actual building relationships, communication styles. Um, So I think clearly we have to marry both because you have to be able to do both Uh, being a hybrid role is like I love hybrid people and people have worked with a lot of different teams, whether it's rotational sports, sprinting, field sports, um, all the above. So I think uh, really being able to develop that full skill set. But yeah, that's where I've seen the crazy shift of like. I think about myself 10 years ago to now our interns coming in and I'm like, guys, it's not all about like, yeah, maybe you can put handout catapults and this, that, the other, but can you like run a group and warm them up and hold everyone's attention and and do it at a high level? Um, So I think it's like this weird paradigm shift of like, it was here, now it's shifted the way over here, but when is it going to kind of get back in the middle?
0: Yes, absolutely. All right. To end our show, we're going to have a little bit of fun here. Um, I'm going to give you some questions. They're not going to be so many relating to strength conditioning. Uh, you can answer in a couple of words, a few sentences, whatever. Cool. Awesome. All right. So I'm going to read these off here. Um, favorite sport to watch growing up?
1: Football, for sure.
0: Football. Okay. Favorite pre-workout?
1: Oh, goodness. I don't really, I love Starbucks. That's okay. my pre So coffee, okay,
0: okay, cool. Uh, favorite post-workout meal?
1: I mean, Roots is our place in Pittsburgh.
0: Okay, okay. okay. It's like what, I, what I'm
1: kind terrible of- coo- at cooking, so I definitely um, have no need to be in the kitchen. So what kind you, of food is that? It's like you can make your own bowl. It's like okay. kale, rice, chicken, okay. you name it. It's almost like Chipotle, but Okay,
0: okay. Uh, Alanis Morissette or Gwen Stefani?
1: Gwen Stefani. People said like my hair used to look like hers and I wear it all big and crazy. Uh, okay. <laughs> that hurt me. But yes, as a side note.
0: Missy Elliott or Nicki Minaj?
1: Missy Elliott.
0: Oh, okay. Awesome. Guy. I knew Classic. it. I knew it. All right. Is work-life balance a verb or a noun? Work-life
1: <laughs> balance
0: is not a real thing. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That? Yeah. yeah, Thank you. Thank it's you. Just,
1: you figure it out.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that's another episode for sure. Um, what is your workout like guilty pleasure to listen to that you may not tell anybody about, but it's something that you just kind of listen to. That's funny for me. It's I listen to, I like pink. Um, okay. Uh, what, what would, what would you say is your guilty pleasure
1: oh, what, yeah, while, while you work funny. out yourself? When the, the staff knows I'm training or like, I usually train super late in the day everyone else is gone. But like the first person, my one assistant, senior assistant Brennan, she comes into the morning. She's like, oh, I know Coach Mack was lifting last night. Buck Cherry is one of my oh, favorites, wow. which is kind of funny. Yeah, that's um, but awesome. they know when that turns on, like, oh, Coach Mack must be lifting. So yeah. She
0: was, yeah, she was lifting. Awesome. All right. Who, whose voice would you want to narrate your life story?
1: Oh goodness! Who is the guy from? I'm trying to think of the car commercials. Um, it's like a very ah. Smooth.
0: I know, yeah, I know exactly. Uh, I know exactly I know. What you're talking about. Terrible. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna have to add that on later for sure. Uh, I'm
1: terrible with like actors and, uh, you know, the, the what All are you State. gonna do? The
0: Allstate guy, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know his name. Uh, but, so yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Best place you've ever traveled to. Oh
1: man, I love Charleston, South Carolina. Sign me up. Charleston's beautiful. I know it's kind of lame since it's in the States, but yes.
0: No, that's, that's awesome. Uh, and, and it's funny that you have it right in front of you. Finish this sentence. I like my coffee like I like my...
1: <laughs> coffee beans black. <laughs> okay. <laughs> or coffee beans black, I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah, they are. They are. Awesome. Coach, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it.
1: Yes, it was awesome. Thank yes, you so much.
0: Absolutely. So I will have this episode probably uh not this coming week, but the week after. And I'll be able to to send it to you before, um, kind of send you the the audio and we'll have the video up on YouTube as well. So awesome. thank you so much. I appreciate your time.
1: No, it was great. Thanks so much for having me on, Jared. And stay in touch. We'll have yes. to connect again at some point. Maybe you should be on our podcast once we get
0: it. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime.